Hello and welcome to Accent of Women, a show by and about women from diverse cultures and languages right across the world. I'm Giselle Hanna. Over the next two episodes of Accent of Women, we speak to Black Lives Matter activist Robin Wansley from the Minneapolis chapter. Directly from their website, Black Lives Matter was created in 2012 after Trayvon Martin's murderer, George Zimmerman, was acquitted for his crime and dead 17-year-old Trayvon was posthumously placed on trial for his own murder. Rooted in the experiences of black people in the United States who actively resist their dehumanisation, Black Lives Matter is a call to action and a response to the virulent anti-black racism that permeates society. Black Lives Matter is a unique contribution that goes beyond extrajudicial killings of black people by police and vigilantes. It goes beyond the narrow nationalism that can be prevalent within black communities. Black Lives Matter affirms the lives of black queer and trans folk, disabled folks, black undocumented folks, folks with records, women and all black lives along the gender spectrum. It centres those that have been marginalised within black liberation movements. It's a tactic to rebuild the black liberation movement. We start this week's show with Robin introducing herself and giving us some context about her, her politics and her organising. Here's Robin. I'm a Southside Chicago native, currently living in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Um, And since basically coming to uh, Minnesota, I've um, professionally have been involved uh, mostly within uh, fundraising and things of that nature and within a nonprofit industrial complex here um, or NGO complex and have transitioned from out of that particular space earlier in this year to join um, a socialist group um, called Socialist Alternative, um, where both a domestic domestic and international organization that believes that in order to really uh, provide the quality of life and well-being uh, for the sake of all humanity and just for our environment, um, you have to have uh, ownership, worker ownership over the institutions, over public um, resources in which under a capitalist society you aren't able to have that and hence why you have issues of disparities and uh, ever increasing ruling class or 1% um, and basically in being part of that I'm also I'm an organizer for the 15 Now um, campaign which has been organizing workers um, particularly fast food workers and low-wage workers that aren't unionized across the country um, and basically leading this forefront for a uh, wage equity um, across the country especially in the area where fast food and retail has been some of the largest uh, workforce industries over the the past 10 years or so um, and seeing a huge sector of Americans having to go into um, these industries, even with college education or and, or any type of education, and still aren't able to cover their basic necessities. Um, so basically being part of that movement and having workers um, lead um, and advocate for their self-interest against their corporate bosses that makes quadruple the amount they make um, in their own salary. So I've been part of that movement and still organizing with them um, with our Minneapolis chapter to 
raise the minimum wage to $15 an hour here. And then also still involved within other community campaigns around police brutality, um, police repression, um, as well as just reform uh, on a criminal justice level, both um, locally as well as internationally. So have been involved uh, with that movement in different capacities over the past five years as well. But yeah, that's kind of a, a sum up about your girl here. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a, a lot of stuff that you're doing. And you, you talked a little bit about the um, the stuff you do around police brutality, which is going to be the focus of our conversation today. And I mm-hmm. guess, I mean, the first thing I want to say about this is the situation of cops shooting blacks, which has hit the media in full force recently over the last couple of years. But it's not a new issue. And racism isn't a new issue and anger isn't a new issue certainly not in the United States among African Americans against the state so what's Mm -hmm. different now that this worldwide movement has emerged in retaliation and protests against police brutality yeah yeah and I think you have to put it in the context of of what you said is, is spot on like the issue of um basically police brutality, police state terrorism on black communities or POC communities is not a a new issue, particularly in the states. Um, But what we've seen over the past four decades, when in the 50s and 60s, actually early, well, late 40s, 50s and 60s, um, we have a development of a really mass movement of, well, the black mass freedom movement um, or freedom liberation. Freedom black liberation movement there is basically was a huge mass mobilization of the black left that included um, black working class folks really leading the the kind of the movement against um, all areas of of state violence that also came down to kind of police uh, repression. When you're talking about um, changing the way in which um, income is being distributed or challenging the way in which policies are being administered in the courts, um, th- that requires a degree of public um, disobedience. And whose role in our society to, to limit that? That has always been the police state to maintain order of working class people. Um, and basically, we had a movement at that time to really push against that and then yield gains for working class black folks. But over during the Reagan years, <laughs> where there was a huge... Um, sat back for a lot of black um, organizations and and black radical movements at that time um, with the war on drugs, the the large incarceration of black leaders, as well as the government funded um, murders um, and assassinations of of leaders of those movements. Um, You saw basically a decimation of the black left um, from the, the late 70s throughout the early 90s. Um, And I think with Black Lives Matter, what has really initiated that with the the case of Trayvon Martin um, is also coinciding with just the usage of of, or expansion of technology. Um, There's been, because of that lack of mass movements and organizations for the past three decades, Black Lives Matter really sparked um, kind of some pressure points that have been lying amongst black folks in this country that has been simmering since the Rodney King days and the, and the, the, the riots in California um, and 
other uh, cases in which law enforcer after law enforcer has been acquitted of, of murders of black youth and black men and women um, and black queer folks. Um, BLM really tapped into that alongside with the pressure that was happening around the Occupy um, Wall Street movement, really tapped into that amongst working class, especially young black folks, to really get back out in the streets and really capture that in their movements. It's one thing to not be able to do that with body cam footage, um, which has been a very um, faulty policy, <laughs> um, very ineffective policy measure passed to really hold law enforcers accountable um, for their their very aggressive and, and violent interactions with uh, black folks when they engage with them, if it's pulling them over for a traffic violation or whatever the case may be. Um, but BLM was able to capture that and other grassroots movements that were being led by um, young black folks um, across this country were able to capitalize, I mean, um, capture that when they were out on the streets and basically asserting that you're not going to kill us any further and to be able to use your phone um, and, and, and Twitter and all these other social media platforms to show how law enforcers are meeting you in your peaceful assembly in riot gear and kicking and punching and shooting rubber bullets and macing you for basically exercising your first democratic right and to also assert your humanity um, was something that we haven't been able to have amongst the black left. And I think that just really tr like trifolded across the state. And it really tapped into, I think, which has been the most pivotal um, part of, of reigniting this issue on a, a national and international platform, like bringing back the role of young activists um, in leading this charge. It's been young people that's been out in the streets organizing uh, working class, poor black folks um, around this issue, um, holding space down for them, as well as challenging elected officials um, that hasn't um, passed any type of policy measures in their, their counties or their states or anything to address police brutality, um, as well as holding um, law enforcers as well, attacking the unions that protect uh, law enforcers when they kill um, or, or brutalize people in poor and working class black communities. Like it's been young folks that's really been guiding this and been really, um, shedding the spotlight in their own, um, kind of events of, of this, uh, uh, civic disobedience of how aggressive and, and, and just unnecessarily militarized our police have become, um, over the past decade. And how is clear clearer than ever that their role is to repress the voices and the resistance of the people um, when they rise up against their material conditions, when they rise up against state oppression. It's become more clearer and clearer um, that that's what the role of our law enforcement plays in our society. And BLM has been largely a part in, as well as other grassroots movements on the ground that's not associated with BLM. Um, and moving that forward. And I think that's what's really um, pushed this to the forefront now, because we haven't had, we didn't have those, those movements to really do so um, in the early 90s, in late 80s, and early 80s, actually, to a certain extent. So I think that's largely some of the, the factors have um, contributed to kind of the reigniting of this issue 
um, within our public discussion, within international discussion, like what you were just telling me with the BLM actions in Australia. So, yeah, I hope that <laughs> that answered your question, because there's been a lot of like historical dynamics that has been playing in a role that has led to kind of what we see unfolding right now around police brutality in a different way than it hasn't um, had has unfolded. Um, in the past two decades or so. And on community radio stations right across Australia, you're listening to Accent of Women. I'm speaking with Robin Wansley, socialist and trade union activist involved in the Black Lives Matter movement in the United States. So, you, I mean, you talked a lot about that you're a socialist, which um, gives an entire outlook on the world and an understanding of, of oppression, not just in the place that you're in, but, but mm-hmm. for workers internationally. So, mm-hmm. so I'm assuming then that you've got a, a broader economic analysis of this kind of police brutality and how it targets black people particularly. I feel like the international conversation is trying to say that um, Black Lives Matter is singularly a race and racism issue. And no question, it is massively a racism issue. Um, But is there dialogue in the Black Lives Matter movement in the United States about other factors that lead to this kind of police repression, factors like the global economic crisis, like the subjugation of workers for the interests of capital. Is there a class analysis, basically, in the broader BLM movement, or is it it looking at racism alone? Mm Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that question is is difficult to answer because... um, I think from my experience or kind of encounters with just our BLM chapter here in Minneapolis, I would say, yes, one of the weaknesses of the movement here is that it doesn't have a strong class analysis. And I think it's very, there are specific reasons as to why that is so. Again, um, that I, what I emphasized earlier, when you have a complete absence of, a, of black organizations or unions that really took... Um, a, a prominent role in educating um, working class, ordinary people in the understanding of how capitalism works, how your bosses will bait and switch you based off of different identities, the identity politics to turn working class people against one another. Uh, when you don't have those institutions intervening into that or developing that consciousness, then you get what we see happening where there's a large favorability of identity politics, of you know, if the understanding that because we're black and because we share this specific racial and ethnic experience here in the States, then we have a clear understanding or have a mutual agreement of what it takes for our own respective liberation. And that completely neglects a class analysis to understand that, for instance, the experience of racism in which Barack Obama has, um, has experienced himself um, very much differs than the experience in which Mike Brown had um, as a poor black man um, in Ferguson. And how, because on that class spectrum, um, Obama can get into an elected a role or a prominent role, and like you, you brought up, like able to um, 
sign his name on the dotted line and authorize um, hundreds of drone attacks on Middle Eastern countries, killing innocent other people of color, <laughs> hundreds and thousands of him, him being part of our, our imperial project in, in conquer of uh, in colonialization of other countries. Him as a, a man of color and his particular class background, he can still have a stake in this capitalist foundation. And we don't have that, that type of discussion um, in, in, I think, some of the BLM spaces here. Whereas if you look at what um, the movement for uh, Black Lives just released, it's not a BLM um, chapter, but it's another growing movement across the country that just released a really amazing platform um, that has all the components that you just talked about. Like it, it basically has a socialist program that has an international framework. It has um, a section that talks about the global economic crisis, why things that's happening in Western Union, uh, not, I'm sorry, Western Europe, you see the breaking down of um, the capitalist uh, kind of rule there with Brexit as well as the European Union um, in enforcing austerity packages across the country there, the continent there, um, how that ties to how capitalism is also in crisis here, why we see the rise of a Trump presidency and why there's so many poor and working class white folks that also, that also has been impacted by um, the deterioration of our workforce sectors because our elected officials decided to allow corporations to send jobs overseas and exploit labor in other um, underdeveloped countries, or also export uh, jobs to prisons here in the States, privatized prisons, and allow black men and women and other people of color to basically um, work for free in developing our products, in, in making our products. Like those conversations do not happen in the space. And it's largely because we had an absence of these institutions, of unions, strong unions um, that provided that education, that provided those spaces for you to have working class solidarity um, or class solidarity, despite if you was Hispanic, white, black, or whatever, um, those were the spaces in which you could have a clear understanding that it was your boss, your bosses. It's the corporation, it's not your manager that's a part of your oppression or that's directly um, at fault for it. But it's the CEO of these corporations that's able to stash over a trillion dollars overseas in the gate paying taxes. And they they push that burden onto you. They make you work more hours. They take more of your wages. They don't provide you adequate workers benefit packages. How you need to organize against them, because if we really want to address racism in an effective way, we won't be able to do that in the current capitalist climate in which we live in right now, both domestically and across the country. Um, the, the, the old saying goes, you know, actually, I'm not even going to say, I, I can paraphrase it, but like, you know, when justice um, is basically abused here, there's no justice anywhere. Um, so basically recognizing that with a class analysis, my interest as a person of color, my, my, my liberation is also tied to you as a white person in your respective kind of class background. And I would say largely that's missing um, in the organizing culture that's happening here in Minneapolis. Um, but I think it's in development. Um, I, I think across the country, 
there are other groups that's coming to more realization that goes beyond identity politics. Like you have to have a concrete economic analysis or class analysis to create the movements in which you need in order to really go against um, police uh, unions and police practices or, or the city elected officials that protect um, the law enforcers that's basically engaging in, in these terrorist practices all the time. Um, in Minneapolis alone, we pay over $6 million out to um, victims of police brutality um, or police uh, misconduct just last year alone. So they're understanding that there's different players and it's, that's, that's engaging in benefit from this, this state oppression um, that's then basically handed down by law enforcers in your community. They're starting to put those ties together, but it's, I would say largely across the board, no, that class analysis is missing. Um, and it's something that's going to be crucially needed to go forward and really move this this um, movement to the level it needs to be in order to generate some some transitional reforms and gains for poor working class black folks that have to deal with uh, police brutality on a day to day basis. I want to I want to talk about police repression, particularly. I mean, the whole conversation is is about that. Um, but I mean, basically what you're saying is the reason that, um, or one of the reasons that we're seeing this increased police brutality or, or, or that it exists is basically to keep us, to, to hold us back is to, is to prevent us from organizing, from breaching those gaps that are being fostered between us and basically to prevent workers from getting organized Yep. in that context. The, the Black Lives Movement in its entirety is a threat to the state because it is saying you can't get away with just shooting us on the street. So yeah. are, the, are the demonstrations being heavily repressed by the police and how, I mean, it's a complex dynamic because what you said earlier, people have smartphones, they can record stuff, they can upload it, they can live stream on, on Facebook. The whole world is watching how, how, I mean, what is happening on the ground, I guess, is the question. Immediately what comes up for me um, with the Philando Castile murder that happened here in Falcon Heights just early July. Um, since that, we've, there's been many demonstrations that have happened um, on the expressways and taking form in and in the case of occupations of the governor's mansion here, um, just sporadic, just demonstrations across this city of, of people responding to the crisis of, of police brutality. I think in the larger narrative um, that has happened here in, in the states, um, there's immediate blame when there's a, a, a incident of a police-related murder, especially against a black man or woman. The first response of the corporate media is to um, legitimize the re or delegitimize like the black person's humanity. They had a picture in their Facebook profile from 10 years ago holding their middle finger up or holding a glass of E&J or cognac of some sort. They clearly deserve to die. They were a delinquent to the society, so we really shouldn't try to hold law enforcers accountable for this. Actually, they did us a, a service by removing this undesirable from our society. That's basically the narrative that we hear time and time again 
with Trayvon Martin, with Mike Brown, with Rakina Boy. The list goes on of how corporate media pushes our narrative that basically this is at the crux, Black lives don't matter. Basically, your humanity is not valued. You have no contributions or have made no contributions to this society. Um, so when you have that narrative, Philando's case really just took the rug under that because you had a black man here that was um, considered a productive member of society. He was a union member. He worked um, at a school for damn near two decades. Children love him. His white co co-workers loved him. I went to his memorial um, the, the following day after his murder and the string of his co-workers that were predominantly white just had just such great memories and were just in distraught over this man. So everyone who he came in contact with loves him and yet he still can fall fate to a deadly police encounter for um, a random um, traffic violation. And the corporate media could no way, shape, or form um, attack his credibility as a member of this society. And that threw them for a loop. So I think in Minneapolis, that was like, his case really took the pressure up to another level. And since then, we've had all these demonstrations. And I just saw a, a report last week where we've had over 200 arrests from these demonstrations. Robin Wansley, socialist and trade union activist involved in the Black Lives Matter movement in the United States. You can hear the second part of this program on Accent of Women next week. And that's all we have time for today. Accent of Women is produced in the Melbourne studios of Community Radio 3CR with the financial assistance of the Community Broadcasting Foundation. The show is distributed nationally via the Community Radio Network with special thanks to the Community Broadcasting Association of Australia. If you want to get in touch with the producers of the show, you can write to us at accentofwomen at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter or like our page on Facebook. If you want to hear this show again or any of our previous programs, you can download the podcast from 3CR's website, 3cr.org.au, and that's the digit 3, not spelt out in letters. Go to the Accent of Women page and follow the links to this week's show. Thanks for tuning in to the show. I'm Giselle Hanna, and I look forward to your company again next week. To be